Chapter Four of Anne of Geierstein by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. And now the well known bow the master bore turned on all sides and viewed it o'er and o'er, whilst some deriding how he turns the bow some other like it sure the man must know or else would copy or in bows he deals perhaps he makes them or perhaps he steals pope's homer's odyssey the fair maiden approached with the half bashful half important look which sits so well on a young housekeeper when she is at once proud and ashamed of the matronly duties she is called upon to discharge and whispered something in her uncle's ear and could not the idle pated boys have brought their own errand what is it they want that they cannot ask themselves but must send thee to beg it for them had it been anything reasonable i should have heard it dinned into my ears by forty voices so modest are our swiss youths become nowadays she stooped forward and again whispered in his ear as he fondly stroked her curling tresses with his ample hand and replied the bow of buttisholtz my dear why the youths surely are not grown stronger since last year when none of them could bend it but yonder it hangs with its three arrows who is the wise champion that is challenger at a game where he is sure to be foiled it is this gentleman's son sir said the maiden who not being able to contend with my cousins in running leaping hurling the bar or pitching the stone has challenged them to ride or to shoot with the english longbow to ride said the venerable swiss were difficult where there are no horses and no level ground to career upon if there were but an english bow he shall have since we happen to possess one take it to the young men my niece with the three arrows and say to them from me that he who bends it will do more than william tell or the renowned stoffacre could have done as the maiden went to take the weapon from the place where it hung amid the group of arms which philipson had formerly remarked the english merchant observed that were the minstrels of his land to assign her occupation so fair a maiden should be bow-bearer to none but the little blind god cupid i will have nothing of the blind god cupid said arnold hastily yet half laughing at the same time we have been deafened with the foolery of minstrels and strolling minnesingers ever since the wandering knaves have found there were pence to be gathered among us a swiss maiden should only sing albert ischudi's ballads or the merry lay of the going out and return of the cows to and from the mountain pastures while he spoke the damsel had selected from the arms a bow of extraordinary strength 
considerably above six feet in length with three shafts of a cloth yard long philipson asked to look at the weapons and examined them closely it is a tough piece of yew he said i should know it since i have dealt in such commodities in my time but when i was of arthur's age i could have bent it as easily as a boy bends a willow we are too old to boast like boys said arnold biederman with something of a reproving glance at his companion carry the bow to thy kinsman anne and let him who can bend it say he beat arnold biederman as he spoke he turned his eyes on the spare yet muscular figure of the englishman then again glanced down on his own stately person you must remember good my host said philipson that weapons are wielded not by strength but by art and sleight of hand what most i wonder at is to see in this place a bow made by matthew of doncaster a boyer who lived at least a hundred years ago remarkable for the great toughness and strength of the weapons which he made and which are now become somewhat unmanageable even by an english yeoman how are you assured of the maker's name worthy guest replied the swiss by old matthew's mark answered the englishman and his initials cut upon the bow i wonder not a little to find such a weapon here and in such good preservation it has been regularly waxed oiled and kept in good order said the landamman being preserved as a trophy of a memorable day it would but grieve you to recount its early history since it was taken in a day fatal to your country my country said the englishman composedly has gained so many victories that her children may well afford to hear of a single defeat but i knew not that the english ever warred in switzerland not precisely as a nation answered biederman but it was in my grandsire's days that a large body of roving soldiers composed of men from almost all countries but especially englishmen normans and gascons poured down on the argo and the districts adjacent they were headed by a great warrior called ingleram de cusi who pretended some claims upon the duke of austria to satisfy which he ravaged indifferently the austrian territory and that of our confederacy his soldiers were hired warriors free companions they called themselves that seemed to belong to no country and were as brave in the fight as they were cruel in their depredations some pause in the constant wars betwixt france and england had deprived many of those bands of their ordinary employment and battle being their element they came to seek it among our valleys the air seemed on fire with the blaze of their armour and the very sun was darkened at the flight of their arrows they did us much evil and we sustained the loss of more than one battle but we met them at buddhist holtz and mingled the blood of many a rider 
noble as they were called and esteemed with that of their horses the huge mound that covers the bones of man and steed is still called the english barrow philipson was silent for a minute or two and then replied then let them sleep in peace if they did wrong they paid for it with their lives and that is all the ransom that mortal men can render for his transgressions heaven pardon their souls amen replied the landamman and those of all brave men my grandsire was at the battle and was held to have demeaned himself like a good soldier and this bow has been ever since carefully preserved in our family there is a prophecy about it but i hold it not worthy of remark philipson was about to inquire further but was interrupted by a loud cry of surprise and astonishment from without i must go out said biederman and see what these wild lads are doing it is not now as formerly in this land when the young dared not judge for themselves till the old man's voice had been heard he went forth from the lodge followed by his guest the company who had witnessed the games were all talking shouting and disputing in the same breath while arthur philipson stood a little apart from the rest leaning on the unbent bow with apparent indifference at the sight of the landamman all were silent what means this unwonted clamour he said raising a voice to which all were accustomed to listen with reverence rudiger addressing the eldest of his sons has the young stranger bent the bow he has father said rudiger and he has hit the mark three such shots were never shot by william tell it was chance pure chance said the young swiss from Bern. no human skill could have done it much less a puny lad baffled in all besides that he attempted among us but what has been done said the landamman nay speak not all at once anne of geierstein thou hast more sense and breeding than these boys tell me how the game has gone the maiden seemed a little confused at this appeal but answered with a composed and downcast look the mark was as usual a pigeon to a pole all the young men except the stranger had practised at it with the crossbow and longbow without hitting it when i brought out the bow of buddhisholz i offered it first to my kinsman none would accept of it saying respected uncle that a task too great for you must be far too difficult for them they said well answered arnold biederman and the stranger did he string the bow he did my uncle but first he wrote something on a piece of paper and placed it in my hands and did he shoot and hit the mark continued the surprised switzer he first said the maiden removed the pole a hundred yards further than the post where it stood singular said the landamman that is double the usual distance he then drew the bow continued the maiden and shot off one after another with incredible rapidity the three arrows which he had stuck into his belt the first cleft the pole 
the second cut the string the third killed the poor bird as it rose into the air by saint mary of ensidlin said the old man looking up in amaze if your eyes really saw this they saw such archery as was never before witnessed in the forest states i say nay to that my reverend kinsman replied rudolph donnerhugel whose vexation was apparent it was mere chance if not illusion or witchery what sayest thou of it thyself arthur said his father half smiling was thy success by chance or skill my father said the young man i need not tell you that i have done but an ordinary feat for an english bowman nor do i speak to gratify that misproud and ignorant young man but to our worthy host and his family i make answer this youth charges me with having deluded men's eyes or hit the mark by chance for illusion yonder is the pierced pole the severed string and the slain bird they will endure sight and handling and besides if that fair maiden will open the note which i put into her hand she will find evidence to assure you that even before i drew the bow i had fixed upon the three marks which i designed to aim at produce the scroll good niece said her uncle and end the controversy nay under your favour my worthy host said arthur it is but some foolish rhymes addressed to the maiden's own eye and under your favour sir said the landamman whatsoever is fit for my niece's eyes may greet my ears he took the scroll from the maiden who blushed deeply when she resigned it the character in which it was written was so fine that the landamman in surprise exclaimed no clerk of st gall could have written more fairly strange he again repeated that a hand which could draw so true a bow should have the cunning to form characters so fair he then exclaimed anew ha verses by our lady what have we minstrels disguised as traitors he then opened the scroll and read the following lines if i hit mast and line and bird an english archer keeps his word ah maiden didst thou aim at me a single glance were worth the three here is rare rhyming my worthy guest said the landamman shaking his head fine words to make foolish maidens feign but do not excuse it it is your country fashion and we know how to treat it as such and without further allusion to the concluding couplet the reading of which threw the poet as well as the object of the verses into some discomposure he added gravely you must now allow rudolph donnerhugel that the stranger has fairly attained the three marks which he proposed to himself that he has attained them is plain answered the party to whom the appeal was made but that he has done this fairly may be doubted if there are such things as witchery and magic in this world shame shame rudolph said the landamman can spleen and envy have weight with so brave a man as you from whom my sons ought to learn temperance forbearance and candour as well as manly courage 
and dexterity the bernese coloured high under this rebuke to which he ventured not to attempt a reply to your sports till sunset my children continued arnold while i and my worthy friend occupy our time with a walk for which the evening is now favourable methinks said the english merchant i should like to visit the ruins of yonder castle situated by the waterfall there is something of melancholy dignity in such a scene which reconciles us to the misfortunes of our own time by showing that our ancestors who were perhaps more intelligent or more powerful have nevertheless in their days encountered cares and distresses similar to those which we now groan under have with you my worthy sir replied his host there will be time also upon the road to talk of things that you should know the slow step of the two elderly men carried them by degrees from the limits of the lawn where shout and laugh and halloo were again revived young philipson whose success as an archer had obliterated all recollection of former failure made other attempts to mingle in the manly pastimes of the country and gained a considerable portion of applause the young men who had but lately been so ready to join in ridiculing him now began to consider him as a person to be looked up and appealed to while rudolph donnerhugel saw with resentment that he was no longer without a rival in the opinion of his male cousins perhaps of his kinswoman also the proud young swiss reflected with bitterness that he had fallen under the landamman's displeasure declined in reputation with his companions of whom he had been hitherto the leader and even hazarded a more mortifying disappointment all as his swelling heart expressed it through the means of a stranger stripling of neither blood nor fame who could not step from one rock to another without the encouragement of a girl in this irritated mood he drew near the young englishman and while he seemed to address him on the chances of the sports which were still proceeding he conveyed in a whisper matter of a far different tendency striking arthur's shoulder with the frank bluntness of a mountaineer he said aloud yonder bolt of earnest whistled through the air like a falcon when she stoops down the wind and then proceeded in a deep low voice you merchants sell gloves do you ever deal in single gauntlets or only in pairs i sell no single glove said arthur instantly apprehending him and sufficiently disposed to resent the scornful looks of the bernese champion during the time of their meal and his having but lately imputed his successful shooting to chance or sorcery i sell no single glove sir but never refuse to exchange one you are apt i see said rudolph look at the players while i speak or our purpose will be suspected you are quicker i say of apprehension than i expected if we exchange our gloves how shall we each redeem his own with our good swords said arthur philipson 
in armour or as we stand even as we stand said arthur i have no better garment of proof than this doublet no other weapon than my sword and these sir switzer i hold enough for the purpose name time and place the old castle court at geierstein replied rudolph the time sunrise but we are watched i have lost my wager stranger he added speaking aloud and in an indifferent tone of voice since ulric has made a cast beyond earnest there is my glove in token i shall not forget the flask of wine and there is mine said arthur in token i will drink it with you merrily thus amid the peaceful though rough sports of their companions did these two hot-headed youths contrive to indulge their hostile inclinations towards each other by settling a meeting of deadly purpose End of chapter four